You're listening to a CFCC audio podcast. For news and service times, visit www.cfccnet.org. Well, good morning, everyone. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. We're sort of in that weird in-between. We are glad to have you here with us this morning to worship. We're going to get started here in just a moment. I just want to welcome you to Cypher Christian Church. My name is Kevin Gallimore. I'm the community pastor here at CFCC, and uh, we want to thank you for joining us for worship here this morning and looking forward to celebrating what the Lord has done in 2018 in our lives and looking forward to his faithfulness in 2019. We're sort of in that sort of time space vortex in between Christmas and New Year. You know what I'm talking about? Kind of the fog. Jeff and I were talking about that. Hopefully that fog will sort of be lifted from our minds and hearts here this morning. But that's where we find ourselves. Uh, I want to just highlight a couple of things to you. One is that as we begin this new year, uh, as sort of the the leader, the person who sort of oversees life groups, I can't uh, miss this opportunity to to ask you to consider becoming a part of a life group here in 2019. We're going to begin our spring session of life groups here very, very soon. And I want to tell you that uh, life is better in community. Uh, it, it, we were made for one another. We were made to be in community with one another, especially within the context of the church. And if you haven't considered being a part of a life group, I want you to. We're going to have opportunities to sign up here in just a couple of weeks. If you are still considering maybe leading a life group, I want to encourage you to speak with me, shoot me an email, send up a smoke signal, carrier pigeon, whatever it takes. Uh, Let me know. I would love to talk to you about leading a life group here in the spring. The other thing that's going on, we got a lot of stuff in children's ministry. And so uh, children's ministry and student ministry, there is a midwinter retreat coming up for the, the students, junior high and high school. And we've got Super Start happening in Dallas, which is a fantastic time uh, for the kids. And I wanna direct your attention to that stuff that's in the bulletin. There's also information on our website, cypherchristian.org. And if you click on events, it will list all of those different things that are coming up. Well, as we end 2018, we want to finish strong in our giving, finish strong in our worship, finish strong in our response to God's faithfulness. And so as you contemplate and sort of look back on the past year and where God has been your provision, where he has been faithful to you, may that be the thing that compels you in your worship this morning. May it be the thing that compels you in your giving as we give of our tithes and offerings here in just a few moments. Um, We also have an opportunity here, the last opportunity to give toward Advent Conspiracy. You saw the the stack of gifts out there in the middle of uh, the foyer area. Our Advent Conspiracy gift is a gift that is above and beyond our, our tithes, but it goes directly towards a specific purpose, and that purpose is the Care for Catania ministry that's happening in Sicily, Italy right now, uh, where they are ministering to these refugees, and we're trying to build a bike shop for these refugees so they might have a source of income, so they might be able to provide for themselves, so they might be able to have transportation themselves. And it's all an opportunity to share the gospel with these young men and women who are traveling a great distance, sometimes thousands of miles over the treacherous sea there between North Africa and Sicily, risking their lives and many of them there by themselves 
many of them Muslims. And it's an opportunity uh, for the gospel of Jesus to go forth and maybe even return to these Muslim nations. And so as you give to Advent Conspiracy, you're giving toward that, not just toward a bicycle, not toward a bike shop, although all of those things are a means to a greater end, and that is the sharing of the gospel and the going forth of the gospel. As we prepare, though, to give, I just want to take a moment and pause and reflect on um, this, this past year, specifically uh, the loss that we have uh, endured. Many of uh, our folks in this church, uh, many of your friends and your family members, maybe, maybe um, uh, friends or, or, or co-workers, uh, this has been a difficult year. And in fact, just these last few weeks have been very, very difficult. We've grieved the loss of, of several folks. Dale Smith is actually away here today. Uh, he, is, um, uh, he is celebrating his father's life. His father passed away just a couple of days after Christmas. And so he's in Mississippi with his family, uh, grieving the loss of his dad, uh, who was a believer and uh, has the hope of the resurrection. Um, doesn't mean we don't grieve, but as believers in Christ, we don't grieve like those without a hope. Amen? Um, but I wanted to take a moment for all of us to just stand with those who have lost loved ones here in, in this congregation, to stand with them, to stand beside them, and uh, to let them know that not only are they not forgotten by God, but they're not forgotten by us as well. And so I have a reading uh, that I want to, uh, to lead us in, uh, a call and response I will lead it and you guys respond. We willingly carry this ache. We carry it, O Father, to you. You created our hearts for unbroken fellowship, yet the constraints of time and place and the stuttering rhythms of life in a fallen world dictate that all fellowships in these days will at times be broken or incomplete. And so we find ourselves in this season bearing the sorrow of our separation from our loved ones. We acknowledge, O Lord, that it is a right and a good thing to miss deeply those whom we love, but with whom we cannot be physically present. Grant us, therefore, courage to love well, even in this time of absence. Grant us courage to shrink neither from the aches nor from the joys that love brings, for each willingly received will accomplish the good works you have appointed them to do. Therefore, we praise you even for our sadness, knowing that the sorrows we steward in this life will in time be redeemed. We praise you also knowing that these glad aches are a true measure of the bonds you have wrought between our hearts. Now use our sorrows as tools in your hand, O Lord, shaping our hearts into a truer imitation of the affections of Christ. Use even this sadness to carve out spaces in our souls where still greater repositories of holy affection might be held until the end that we might better love in times of absence and in times of presence alike. We now entrust all to your keeping. May our reunion be joyous, whether in this life or in the life to come. 
how we look forward, O Lord, to the day when all our fellowships will be restored, eternal and unbroken. Amen. O come, O come, Emmanuel. How we long for your return. O come, O come, Emmanuel. Christ our shepherd, how we pine for your voice. O come, O come, Emmanuel. Christ, our older brother, how we miss you. Make haste, O Lord, return to us. Remembering, O Christ, that you regarded our helpless estate and came to dwell among us as the promised fulfillment of all holy desires, we turn our hearts now to remembrance of your works. You came to us, O Lord, as a lantern in our darkness. Now illumine our way. You came to us as a song in the midst of our sorrow. Now kindle our hope. You came to us as a balm on the bed of our sufferings. Now be our healing. You came to us as a shelter amidst the violence of storms. Now grant us peace. You came to us as mercy in the place of our shame. Now be our righteousness. You came to us as a king upon the fields of our defeat. Now be our salvation. You came to us as a child in the midnight of our despair. Now be our God. Remembering these manifold joys and blessings of your first advent, how our hearts long to witness the glories of your promised return. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. O come, O come, Emmanuel. Amen. Will you pray with me? O God, our Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, our hope, our peace, our comfort in times of grief. And Lord, we lift up those who are in the throes of sorrow. Lord, we lift up the Scavara family. Lord, we lift up the Wilsons. Father, we lift up Dale Smith and his family. And for all of those that we have lost this past year, Lord, we ask that you would be the balm that heals them, that you would be the peace that comforts them, that your still small voice would quiet them and that they would rest in your presence, God. Um, As their brothers and sisters, as the church, I pray that we would come around them and show them the love of Christ uh, through our words, through our actions, Lord, sometimes, but more so through our presence with them, walking through this grief, knowing, Lord, that we do not grieve like those without a hope, Father. We grieve um, knowing that there is resurrection in Jesus Christ. We thank you and we praise you in his name. Amen. Good morning. Merry Christmas on this, the sixth day of Christmas. We have six more days after today of Christmas. Uh, Hopefully you guys have had a a good week and been able to spend some time with some family and some friends. Like Kevin said, we kind of talked about the fog that happens uh, after Christmas. There have been a couple days, the last three or four days, that at any given time, I'm not sure what day of the week it is, what month, what time it is. I don't know whether we're getting ready to eat breakfast, lunch, or dinner. There's just this kind of hole in time where everything stops and we watch TV and we build Legos in my house and we play games and build puzzles and uh, it's been a lot of fun. So hopefully you guys are 
enjoying Christmas time and continuing to uh, reflect on Christ's birth and his imminent return uh, during the season. So tomorrow kind of puts an end to that, right? We, we start to turn our attention from Christmas to New Year's, right? And we always see New Year's as like, oh, thank goodness, this is a fresh start. Like there's something magical about the new calendar that you hang on the wall. It's not a fresh start any more than you're a year older on your birthday, right? That's just, it's just another date. But every day is a fresh start, amen? Um, but we kind of, we look at it this way, that like this is a new beginning and we begin to say things like this year is gonna be different, right? Uh, this year, uh, this coming year, uh, I'm gonna do some things that I've always wanted to do but I've never done and, and I'm, gonna, I'm gonna handle myself differently and I'm gonna do things differently and uh, we begin to make these promises to ourselves, right? You guys know what I'm talking about? How many of you guys make New Year's resolutions? Raise your hand if you make New Year's resolutions. You liars, there's way more than two or three people. One of the things you guys need to work on next year is to not lie in church. Uh, You make New Year's resolutions, but we don't like to talk about them because it's this process that points out our inadequacies and our failures. We make a list, sometimes we even write it down, and then we come across it later and we feel so small because we've totally failed. The things that we wanted to do, we didn't do. The things we wanted to become, we did not become, right? What's the most common New Year's resolution? It has to do sometimes with losing weight or working out, uh, being healthier, right? Being healthier is always good. I think that's great. And if that's what you're hoping to do in 2019, Godspeed. But if you're worried about your weight and your appearance and all that stuff, can we just take care of something right now? I can see all of you really well from up here. You look great. (laughs) Exactly the way you are. I think you're amazing. Exactly the way you are right now. Don't worry about it. It's gonna be fine. You're beautiful. So here's something I wanna propose. I think when we make New Year's resolutions, I don't think they're good or bad. It's just something that we sometimes do. And this sounds really arrogant. I've never messed up a New Year's resolution in my life. I make a New Year's resolution, I fulfill it. Like it's really, it's easy to me. I see it as an easy process. Uh, And I wanna explain to you why it's easy for me. I set the bar really low, super, super low. So I wanna encourage you guys, if you're gonna make New Year's resolutions, don't set the bar too high. Like make make easy things to obtain. Do you wanna hear a couple of mine for this year? One of my New Year's resolutions, in 2019 I resolved to watch the new Star Wars movie when it comes out in December. So I'll do it, it's easy, right? Uh, In 2019, I resolved to buy a new belt. I've lost a little bit of weight, my belt is way too big, it's not working anymore, so I'm gonna buy a new belt. I may have that one knocked out before the fifth, right? (laughs) But I'm gonna wait till the new year so I can cross that one off the list. It's easy, New Year's resolutions are easy, you're just going about it the wrong way. I resolve in 2019 to watch the Astros win their second World Series, it's gonna happen, it's not a big deal. So I'm gonna watch it happen. I didn't get to go camping that much this year, just there was rain, a lot of rain at the the wrong times, and so I resolved to go camping more in 2019. It's gonna be really easy. And here, this is my favorite one. I'm really excited about this one. In 2019, I resolved to let my wife scratch my back more. It's gonna be awesome. It's gonna be great. Uh, Guys, take notes on that, it's a good one. Um, But, 
Um, and all seriousness, there, there's one thing, if I could like give the world one thing, here's something we need to work on, all of us. And I feel like this one thing, it's not like it's magic or it's like a fix-all, but it's, it's one of the most important things that we do in our time here on earth. And I think it's so, so important. And that is to learn to be more faithful in prayer, right? A lot of times we make a New Year's resolution, I'm gonna pray more in the next year. And that, that's something you can fail at, right? You can put that on the list and you don't pray more than you feel like you've messed up. And we have that weird thing in our head. We're like, oh, now we've got to wait like nine months until 2020 and then we can start over again. That's not real, right? But just to be more faithful in prayer. Prayer is one of the most important things that we do. As a matter of fact, our student discipleship ministry, Engage, uh, we have three things that we hope that our students learn to do before they graduate high school. If we can send our students out to college or into the real world with these three things, that we feel like we've set them up for success. And that's to engage with God, engage with scripture, and to engage with the church. And engaging with God just simply means to pray. If we can send our students out and they have a healthy understanding of prayer and a healthy practice of prayer, so many other things are gonna fall into place, right? And for my own kids at home, when they, when they leave the nest at 18 or 35, whatever it is, uh, whatever happens, um, I'm at that place now where I want them to stay forever. I know it's going to change. I see the look on some of your faces. But uh, whenever that time comes, uh, I want them to have like a rhythm of prayer in their life, knowing that, that no matter what happens when they leave, they know how to cry out to God. They know how to call out to God. They know how to, to, to speak to him and to listen for him, and they'll recognize his voice. If I can do that, then I feel, I feel really, really comfortable. So we have to, to have a more faithful prayer life, we have to create rhythms. Like prayer has to be a part of our life. It's not something that we, we put on a to-do list. It's something that kind of happens natural in the day-to-day. We have other rhythms in our life. Uh, we, we eat at the same times, right? We go to bed at the same times. We wake up at the same times. We turn the TV on at the same times. We, uh, we go about our job the same way every day. We have certain things that we do. Do you guys have this like at work? When you, well, the first thing you do when you get to work is this. That's a rhythm. The first thing you do when you wake up is this, right? That's a rhythm. And even our, like our life is a rhythm. We breathe in, we breathe out. There's rhythm to our, even our being, right? We breathe, our breath is rhythm. So here's what I want to do today. I feel like this is less of a sermon and more of like me just throwing ideas at you, right? The ideas that I'm going to throw at you, some of them, you may be like, nope, not going to do that. And that's fine, right? But hopefully, as I share some of these ideas and these thoughts about how we can be more faithful in prayer, something sticks. I want you to be really open-minded and think and process. I'm not going to give you a formula that's gonna give you a better prayer life. I'm not gonna teach you magic words because they don't exist. But I want you to begin thinking about the rhythms of your life and how prayer can become a part of that. Right? It's gonna look different for every one of us. Uh, so less of a sermon, more of hopefully uh, a launching pad. Um, not giving you the answer, not giving you the formula. They don't exist. But simply some, some ideas for you to consider 
to tweak, to discuss with friends, to help you find that healthy rhythm of prayer. And one, one last qualifier, and then I'm going to pray, and we're going to jump into scripture. I'm going to talk a lot about uh, creating a pattern of prayer in your life uh, and kind of planning ahead for that. So I'm not going to be talking about spontaneous prayer at all. So I don't want you to get the idea as I'm talking that spontaneous prayer is not important because it is, right? Think about this. When, uh, so when I go out of town for whatever reason, I want to, one of my goals is to talk to my wife every day while I'm gone. And we, we kind of have this rhythm and I don't know like if we ever talked about it, it just kind of happens but whoever goes to bed first calls the other one, right? So right before the end of the day, we have a conversation and how are you, what'd you do today? How are the kids? Um, you know, what's going on? And we have that conversation and it's kind of planned, but because it's planned and because it's a rhythm, it's not, it doesn't make it less intimate, right? It's really important to have that. But pretty much without fail, unless I'm off in the woods somewhere and don't have cell signal, uh, there'll be two or three times during the day where we'll call, you're not gonna believe what happened. Right? And we just share something that just happened on the spot. Also very intimate and important conversations. Right, We need both. So I'm not saying that, that spontaneous prayer and just stopping to pray when something happens uh, is not important. It is. Right? Does that make sense? Uh, but I'm talking about also in addition to that, uh, trying to create some patterns. So let's pause. Uh, we'll spend a minute here in prayer. Uh, and then we're going to look at something in Luke chapter 5. So let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning and confess that we're not always faithful in prayer. Father, we're distracted, we're busy, and we live hurried lives filled with appointments, meetings, deadlines, and just chaos. And sometimes, Father, we completely lose control. We look back and realize that we've made little progress in our spiritual formation and our discipleship. Father, help us to pause and to reflect, to prepare ourselves and our lives for your presence. Father, help us to be proactive and thoughtful about our faithfulness in prayer. Father, help us to consider making a few adjustments to our lives to make space for you and for your guidance. Father, we're seeking help. Be with us this morning as we process and be with us as we listen for your voice. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So this is Luke chapter five, verse 12. Should have told you that up front so you could have looked it up. Uh, There's Bibles in the little pockets there in front of you. Uh, You might have the the Bible app on your phone. So there's one verse I wanna focus on in this passage, starting with verse 12, uh, but I always like to kind of give you the context of, of where this comes from, so we're gonna read a little bit more. So verse 12, while he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him saying, I will be clean. And immediately leprosy left him. And he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest to make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded for a proof to them. But now even more the report about him went abroad and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. So the way this is written seems to imply that this was a regular practice for Jesus. This wasn't something unusual. It's not an isolated incident. And we saw this again, like if you think about the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, when the disciples were, were getting ready to fall asleep, Jesus retreated to, to a quiet place to pray. 
right? So this was, for Jesus, a rhythm. This was a pattern. This is something that he did uh, regularly. Uh, But this is not the only way Jesus prayed, but this demonstrates kind of the intentional effort that he placed on prayer. Christy's going to put a list of some scripture, and if you're taking notes and you want to, these are some other scriptures that talk about uh, how Jesus would uh, set aside that time for prayer, uh, like we see in this this, uh, verse in Luke. So, but he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. So there's three things I want to talk about in this uh, before we move on. First, is Jesus' prayer life is kind of like the natural rhythm of creation, right? When God created the world in six days, the next thing he did was rest, right? There was work and there was rest and then work and rest. And that's the rhythm that we're supposed to live with, right? We work, then we rest, we work, and then we pause and rest. Um, And his prayer life was the same way in his ministry. He's healing people and he's teaching and he's loving people and he's reaching out to the unloved And then sometimes crowds would come around and they'd want to talk to him and they would want uh, for him to heal them. But there were times that he knew, like, I need need to rest. I need to pause. And he would remove himself for that, right? So his prayer life followed that natural rhythm of creation. We see this rhythm all throughout creation, right? We see the rhythm of seasons. We see the rhythm of tides. We see the rhythms of night and day. There's... There's rhythm, right? And in this rhythm, there's work and then rest. Think about uh, a run-on sentence. Like if we just kept talking and talking and talking, and I know you're thinking of one of your relatives probably as I say this, uh, that you saw over Christmas or Thanksgiving. Uh, But if we had like a run-on sentence, it just keeps going and going and going and you can never figure out exactly what the person's trying to say. There's There's no point, it's just chaos, right? There has to be punctuation in there. We have to pause and rest so we can collect our thoughts and figure out what's happening. Does that make sense? It's the same thing with music. Music is just noise without rests, right? If you see on the sheet of music, no rests, it's just crazy noise. Just note after note after note after note after note. The pause, the rest in music is as important as playing the right note, right? So... So Jesus' prayer life has the same natural rhythm of creation, work and then rest. The second thing is that he would withdraw and disengage. And this was, uh, this was not time in the midst of the chaos, right? In the middle of the chaos of the day that he would set time apart. This was a time that he would remove himself mentally from what was going on. Right? Think about having that remote control. Wouldn't it be fun to have the remote control for life? There's a pretty terrible movie that was made about that a couple years ago, so don't, don't watch that movie. But, but it's just like saying, oh my gosh, that's enough. Pause and rest, right? So he would check out mentally from whatever else was going on just to spend time with God, just to be with God. So he would withdraw and disengage. And then finally, uh, it says that he withdrew to a desolate place to pray. And he would, he would also remove himself physically. He would remove himself mentally, but he would remove himself physically and get away from all of that chaos where he could focus on what he was doing, right? He would find a quiet place. Years ago, I lived in Redding, California. Uh, and I think I had, I was only there like a year and a half and I lived at like three different places. This was total chaos. Uh, I lived with a couple friends and I lived in the basement of a dorm. 
And there was an assistant basketball coach that lived down there in one of the rooms and a, and a uh, Greek Orthodox priest that lived down there. This was a really unique time in life, right? So basketball coach, me, whatever I am, and then uh, a priest downstairs. But I worked at the college and then I lived in the dorm, so I'm kind of constantly surrounded by uh, the same thing. Like I was with students and I'm recruiting students and you know, blah, blah, blah. So I needed a place to get away that was close by and there was a church and I didn't even go to this church, right? Uh, but it was right in the middle of Reading. It's like right in the middle of the city and they had a pretty big property and at night they would have the little gates that would block off the parking lot so I assume people wouldn't go in there and hang out. But I would, um, I would take my guitar and I would walk over that gate because I have long legs and then I would walk across the parking lot and they had like a little playground. I did not go to slide on the slide or swing on the swings. Uh, but next to the playground, there was one of those picnic tables. It's like an iron picnic table, and they put like that rubberized coating on it or whatever. Uh, and it was right underneath this huge tree. And I would go there at like 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night. So nobody's at the church. Every once in a while, there'd be like a cleaning person, and they'd kind of look at me for a minute and go about their business. Uh, but this is in the days when I still tried to play the guitar. And so I would play the guitar and sing. Uh, and I would have like my own little time of worship. And eventually I would, I would end up laying down on the table and I'd be looking at the stars through the branches of this tree and that was my prayer time, right? I would get away from all the chaos and find a place that was quiet, that was still, where I could focus. I'm not distracted by other people and noise and work and busyness. Uh, I would find that desolate place to get away. So how, how do we create a rhythm like this? We have to be intentional. It has to be something that we, we think of ahead of time. It's not something that you just all of a sudden, oh, okay, I have that rhythm now, right? It takes a little bit of thought. It takes a little bit of planning. So I'm going to talk you through three ideas just real quickly. Uh, again, these ideas are not the answer. Like you do these things, you'll have the perfect prayer life. That's certainly not what I'm saying. But just some things hopefully to get you thinking that will create conversations at lunch for you, create conversations with family um, moving forward. So I'm going to talk about a rule of life. I'm going to talk about a call to prayer. And I'm going to talk about prayer topics. So a rule of life. How many of you guys make to-do lists? How many of you guys like to make to-do lists? Okay. How many of you guys really like to make to-do lists for other people? Those are the best. I love those. Right? So my to-do list... What'll happen, this is typical. So there's a, there's a reminder app on my iPhone and I kind of make that as my work to-do list. But my to-do list at home always seems to be 10 times longer than the one uh, at work. So I'll get up on a Saturday and I feel like there's just too much. Like 50 of me couldn't, couldn't do all the things that need to be done today. And I start doing those things and I'm like, stop, stop, stop. Just make a list and then we can tackle the list one at a time and it'll seem more manageable. So when I go to make the list, you guys do this, you actually write some of the stuff you've already done on the list. So you can cross it off and you feel good about yourself. I just made the list and four things were already crossed off. Right, that was easy. These ones at home never get done. Uh, every once in a while, I'll find like an old file on my computer and I'll be like, oh my gosh, I didn't do any of this stuff. This never happened, right? And the world still moved on. But I'll find like a piece of paper that had my to-do list scribbled. I'll be like, oops, forgot about that one. Still need to add that to the next list. It just never seems to end, Right? But to-do lists are kind of like resolutions. Without any structure or schedule, they're simply 
A list reminding us of where we fell short, right? This is where we failed. Wasn't able to get all the stuff done. So the idea of wanting to pray more is just kind of the beginning. Now we need to create patterns and rhythms that give us the space to do so. So a rule of life, how many guys have ever even heard of a rule of life? It's, okay. Um, In the independent Christian church, we don't talk about it very often. Some of the more liturgical churches talk about it sometime, but it's not like a religious thing. It's actually really simple and very, very practical. Uh, But it goes all the way back to the fourth century. Uh, Some of the monastic communities, people in a monastic community would write a rule of life. And sometimes the whole community had a rule of life and they all followed exactly the same rule of life and shared the same rhythms. So a rule of life is an intentional pattern or rhythm of spiritual disciplines that provide structure to your spiritual growth. So I want to read that again. Rule of life is an intentional pattern or rhythm of spiritual disciplines that provide structure to your spiritual growth. So the last two years that I was in seminary, I had to work on a rule of life. And it was kind of this living document. It wasn't part of just one class. It was part of the whole, the whole process. So I had to put together this rule of life. And I would have to, at the end of each quarter, I would have to submit it again. And they would give me feedback on, on uh, what was in there. Uh, but it's basically like a, like a plan. Like a plan of attack of how you're going to grow spiritually in your life. It starts with, I have mine right here, it starts with, uh, I wrote a prologue to it, doesn't that sound cool? But I wrote a prologue, it's just like, this is, what, this is what's important to me. And my prologue is, I don't want this to be stuff I'm gonna do, this is about who I want to be, right? Making that distinction. But then I write kind of the vision for my life, right, the mission. And so the vision includes things like, uh, I want to be, I desire to be fertile ground in which God can cultivate a heart that bears the fruit of the spirit, Right? And so you just kind of intentionally walk through, this is who I want to be. These are the things that are important to me. And then it moves on to uh, uh, ordinary matters, stuff like sleep, how much sleep I get, uh, diet, exercise, time management, just kind of those practical sort of things. And then it goes to inner matters, which are the spiritual disciplines, prayer, uh, fasting, um, solitude, Sabbath, all of those kind of things, right? So it's this, it's this plan. So it's not a to-do list. It's not a resolution. It's just me finally like thinking through and organizing my thoughts and putting on paper, this is who I want to be. So last night, right before I went to bed, you guys all have Facebook, unless you're a student. Students hate Facebook. Uh, students are off the hook on this for sure. But if you have Facebook, I posted, uh, there was an article actually written this week by somebody on the Gospel Coalition's website that has a really, really clear kind of outline to do a rule of life. And so I posted that on my Facebook page. For friends on Facebook, you can go read that article. Uh, If you're not my friend on Facebook, uh, I'm really sad about that. But uh, just email me and I can can send you a link to the article. Uh, But if that's something that sounds interesting and you'd like to look into that further, uh, I'd love to get that article to you. It has, has a lot of great steps. It's really, really simple. Uh, it sounds a little daunting at first, but it's not. It's actually, uh, and you don't have to have it written out perfectly and you don't have to have somebody proofread it. This is yours, right? You can do this however you want to. But just a thought, just an idea on how we can move, move forward to that. So not everybody has to do a rule of life. Again, that's not what I'm saying. But the idea of intentionally creating rhythm in our lives to aid in our faithfulness of prayer can be really, really helpful. Right? And so in a rule of life, you would talk about things like 
uh, when do I pray? Like when in my day is there space for me to spend time in prayer? And sometimes we talk about this during Lent, right? We remove one thing, which might be social media, it might be TV, it might be whatever it is that's in your day that you can remove and you replace that with prayer during Lent, right? Uh, So this is the same thing, but you don't have to remove something. You're just looking for where those spaces are that you can pray. Um, Do you pray before meals? Uh, Do you pray when you wake up? Do you pray before you go to sleep? Uh, when, When are those times that you can pray. There's so many prayers uh, throughout history. Uh, the Shema was a prayer that, um, that the Hebrew people would pray first thing when they woke up and last thing before they went to bed, right? That was a rhythm. So it's looking for those spaces and looking for those rhythms that you could include prayer. prayer. So the first idea, rule of life, take that and tweak it and make it your own and hopefully, hopefully there's something in there that will help. The next one is super practical and it's just a simple call to prayer. This is such a simple idea, but it's finding things that are already in your everyday rhythm that can remind you to pray. Uh, I can give you a list of a thousand of these. Uh, I'm not going to. Um, I have a friend that was a salesman. I lived in Florida for a couple years and he was a salesman and he drove all over the place and he chose businesses and like buildings as a call to prayer. So his son really loved McDonald's. So every time he saw McDonald's as he drove around, he would pray for his son. Like he would stop and pray for his son. Like, for instance, you guys, if you see a Whataburger, you could pray for Kevin Gallimore, right? Uh, But he just looked for things on the road that he passed every day. And he said, when I go to the office, like that's my wife's favorite restaurant. So every time I pass that restaurant, I pray for her. Uh, That's a place that me and my friend used to meet and have conversations. And so that place, when I pass it, makes me think of him. So I pray for him. And the idea is we're already thinking about those things. So why not make that a call to prayer? Instead of just thinking about it, we're like, okay, I'm going to pray for that person. Or I'm going to pray for for what we talked about there. Or I'm going to pray for uh, whatever it is, right? Um, uh, I have a friend that told me that um, for a while, every time he saw an American flag hanging somewhere, he prayed for our country. He prayed for the leadership of our country, right? It's just using the things that we see in everyday life and making those things a call to prayer to remind us to pray. And we're surrounded with them. And so think about this. The more that you do that, the more your mind is going to be focused on prayer and it's just going to be there. And you're going to pray without ceasing. It's just going to be a part of your breathing in and breathing out. I have an alarm on my phone that goes off every morning at 944. And that's the time my daughter was born. And I have one that goes off at 123 in the afternoon. That's the time that my son was born. And so when that, that buzz or beep or whatever it is, whether I have the volume turned on or not, uh, when those go off, I pray for my kids. And each time that those go off, I also pray for my wife, right? Uh, just simple, simple steps. Uh, it can be, how many of you guys, like you hear a song on the radio and it takes you back to a time when, you know, this or that, like music does that, right? It transforms us and takes us back to It's like a time machine. We remember this person or that person or the first time I heard that song or when I saw those people in concert. Sometimes that can trigger thoughts of people and events and we just stop and we pray for them, right? Does this make sense? Really, really simple. Pictures hanging in your house whenever you notice them. Sometimes we don't notice them anymore after they've been there for a long time, but you have pictures of your family hanging up in your house. So just as you walk by, uh, just send up that quick prayer, right? So rule of life, call to prayer, 
And the final thing is basically prayer topics. What are the things that we are going to commit to pray for, right? Instead of, again, spontaneous prayer is good, but thinking ahead, I have three things, and it's not a 2019 thing. Like this may change in March and there may be new things, right? But for me right now in this season, there's three things uh, that I'm focusing on. And so I'm looking for that call to prayer. What's gonna help me remember to pray for these things? I still haven't figured that out yet. And to remind me to pray for these things. Uh, But the three things that I'm focusing on praying are I'm sorry, thank you, and not my will but yours be done, right? I'm sorry is just a, a prayer of confession. And when I catch myself thinking uh, or doing something that I know is, is hurtful, it's not helping anyone out at all, uh, it's just to stop and, and pray that prayer. I'm sorry, God, that was ugly. I'm really sorry. Right? Not waiting till later when I have the huge list of stuff. God, we don't have time to cover my sins of today, so just blanket, I'm sorry. But instead, just in that moment, I'm sorry, that was wrong, Right? The same thing with the thank you. There's so many things that I want and I feel like I need in my life and I focus on those things and then I miss all the little stuff that happens, right? You know, this, this week, uh, one night, my daughter had a sleepover at someone else's house and my son and I made a blanket fort and we watched a movie in the blanket fort. We watched the second Harry Potter movie uh, and he didn't make it anywhere close to the end, right? Which was fine because we were both tired. But just as I'm laying there, like I became overwhelmed with this feeling of, wow, I don't want to be anywhere else. This is exactly where I want to be. Totally content in this moment. Please don't let this end. And that was, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for my son. I guess thank you for Harry Potter. Uh, Thank you for blanket forts. And just being present in that moment and saying thank you. So the thank you is obviously a prayer of thanksgiving. And finally, that, that prayer of relinquishment that Jesus prayed in the garden. Like if there's any other way, I pray this all the time. I see what you're doing here. Is there something else we can do, right? I don't wanna go through with this. Why don't you just come back right now and save me this grief, right? But it's the prayer of relinquishment. You know what, but, but not what I want, but what you will. And as I pray those things, I find that, that I change, right? Prayer doesn't, prayer, the purpose of prayer is not always to change God, and to change his mind and convince him that what he's doing is not best, but what you have, your idea is best. Sometimes it's simply like as you pray and the more you talk to God, you kind of tune into what he's doing and then it all makes sense. So, prayer topics. What are the things that you want to add? Uh, what are the things that you want to pray for? What are the things that are most important to you? What's on your heart? What are you struggling with the most? Think about what those things are and make that a consistent prayer during the day. Look for those opportunities to pause and pray those things. My hope and my prayer for you this morning is that you will put some thought to and have conversations about taking prayer off your to-do list and adding it to the daily rhythms of your life. I would love to, love to make this a conversation. I would love for this to continue I would love to hear from you guys. Uh, If you have thoughts or this spurred an idea or you have an idea that that you want to share, please email me. You can reach me on Facebook and the Twitters and the Instagrams and all that baloney, but you can email me or stop me sometime and talk to me. 
not asking like feedback on the sermon because this really isn't a sermon. Hopefully this is a conversation. This is the beginning of something. Uh, I would love to hear your ideas and I would love to hear what works and I would love to hear how you tweak some of that stuff. If you do a rule of life, I would love to know about it. Like you can see mine and I'll look at yours if you want me to. But not just in 2019, right? But, but moving forward, I would love for us to be more faithful in prayer. Like we're intentional about it. We create patterns and rhythms to where it becomes something that we do and we don't put a whole lot of thought to. It's just how we live. It's a part of our breathing in and a part of our breathing out, constantly in conversation with God, praying without ceasing. Amen? Let's pray. Father, help us all to spend time considering our faithfulness in prayer. Help us to no longer see prayer as something we do, but instead as part of who we are. Help us to find ways to include you in the rhythms of our lives. And may we be intentional when we pray. May we be intentional in how we pray. May we be intentional in what we pray. And Father, allow us the eyes to see you at work in our lives, calling us to relationship and to conversation. Father, urge us to respond. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So now we're going to move to a time of communion, which is one of the most important rhythms uh, in the life of a church. And we do communion here at Cypher Christian Church by intention, which just means that you'll come forward and someone will hand you a piece of bread. They'll say, this is the body of Christ broken for you. And then you'll dip it in the cup and they'll say, this is the blood of Christ shed for you. And during this time, uh, just, just think about what we said and continue to let those, those thoughts kind of brew. And remember, as we do head into a new year, uh, we sometimes have worries. We have nothing to worry about. This is a reminder. We're doing this in remembrance of Christ and his work on the cross, which is already done, which is already complete. Amen. Come forward. May we all become very aware of the rhythms of our life. And may, as we do that, may we begin to see the spaces and the opportunities that are there to include prayer, for prayer to be a part of the rhythms of our life. And may we, as we begin to pray more, uh, draw closer uh, to the one that saved us. Amen. Have a great, happy new year.